Good evening, and welcome to my view from the rim. It's Sunday night. It's the 14th of August. Thank you so much for listening. Um, those that did provide feedback from the last episode of the season for season three, uh, Loving Families, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Many people actually did reach out to me, and so thank you. Um, <clears throat> I had a different plan uh, to introduce season four. But uh, that plan was uh, derailed by our lesson in our quorum meeting this morning, the elders' quorum meeting at church. We uh, talked about, and I'll put the link in the description for the episode, a talk given by Jorg Klemingat, uh, who is a 70, um, General Authority 70 of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, my first experience with Elder Klebingat was when he came to Olathe a few years ago to a state conference here, and he scolded us um, for our lack of reverence in uh, the chapel proper. Uh, he was absolutely right in doing so. It was very loud in there in between the meetings. Um, and was not what most of us would expect a sanctuary to be. He also spoke with a great deal of love and compassion regarding um, those who have been separated from the church uh, as a result of um, sin, and their, their repentance process in coming back to the church. He spoke with tremendous compassion regarding that process for those brothers and sisters uh, that walk that trail, and absolutely should. After all, repentance is not a punishment. And assigning repentance, if you will, also uh, not a punishment. It's it's a labor of love for the individual, for those authorities that are assisting that individual in the repentance process. And so that was my very first experience with Elder Klebingat. He reminded me, even though he did not mention the talk, he uh, did remind me of the talk that I have mentioned frequently here on the rim both written and in the podcast, A Battle for the Soul, by Elder Melvin J. Ballard. That was back in 1926, nearly 100 years ago, as it turns out now that I'm thinking about it. But he gave a talk in this last April General Conference on Sunday, uh, and it's a the title of the talk, like I said, Valiant Discipleship in the Latter Days. And I wanted to begin by reading a quote from that, from that talk to the way that he starts with. He said, We are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. God won't force us to do good, and the devil can't force us to do evil. And the reason why I wanted to start talking about that specific 
uh, uh, this specific talk is some very, very key things just in that opening statement. This is the this is the choice that was given all of us before we came to this earth. We were told that we would come here, that there would be trials, that there would be problems, that we'd have no guarantee of returning to live in the presence of the Father. However, we would be free to choose how we wanted to live. And because we had that choice, knowing that we would make mistakes, our Heavenly Father provided a plan which included a Savior. to atone for those mistakes if we repent. Lucifer, then the son of the morning, proposed a different plan. He said that I will force everyone to do what's right, and everyone will return. And because of that, I want you, meaning God's glory. I want you to understand properly the value of agency or the ability to choose. Many people call it free agency, and I would say to you that it's not free. The agency we have came at a very high price. The Son of God came down, lived a sinless life, yet willingly took upon himself the sins of the world, the suffering of the world, willingly offered his life up so that we can live again and so that we can repent of our sins and return to live to the Father's kingdom. So we are free to choose liberty and eternal life because of that, because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Or captivity and death. First of all, uh, Lucifer, Satan, could not deliver, of course, on his, his promise that everybody would return. You know, that's a big lie. But it was, all, it, all it was was all about captivity. Coercion. The use of force. Heavenly Father would never want to force his children to do his will. And this is something that as earthly parents that we need to understand as well, that at the end of the day, we need to teach our children in such a way that they can make good choices for themselves. He then makes this interesting statement. He says, though some may think that mortality is a contest between God and the adversary, a word from the Savior and Satan is silenced and banished. It is our strength that is being tested and not God's.
God knew his own son so well, just as he knows each of us intimately. He knows what we're going to do. He knows what we need. More, he knows our suffering. He knows the illnesses that we deal with. He knows the addictions that people deal with. He knows that when it comes to addictions and many other sins, that it's not always as black and white as it may seem. But he knew his son so well. He knew that his son could fulfill the mission that he was given. And he did. The question is, and this is a question that goes all the way back to to the very beginning of people on this earth. Is what are we willing to put on the altar? Abraham was commanded to offer up his only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice to the Lord. Chances are Abraham, well, Abraham did follow through, but he was stopped short of the actual sacrifice. Now, make no mistake, God knew that Abraham would willingly obey him. He wanted Abraham to know of his strength. It is our strength that is being tested and not God's. I really like that statement, but there are so many in this talk. Um, you know, the Savior throughout his life, and in reality, prophets, um, the Lord's messengers throughout history have generally been not been treated well. The Savior said that just, you know, to not be upset when people hated them because they hated the Savior first. They had the example of the prophets of old being scorned and mocked and ridiculed and, any, and even killed. Suffice it to say... that to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, a true disciple, and by that I don't mean that you're somebody that's perfect because none of us are. That's what always makes me laugh, sorry to say, about, about people when they say, well, this Christian is doing this or this Christian is doing that, and they're such a hypocrite. No, they're not. None of us claim to be perfect. 
none of us claim to have all the answers to be the end all on righteousness. And if they do, then I would question their, well, I'm not going to question their, their, their faith and belief because there are many, many people that are very, very good. But in general, we are works in progress. But to live, to try to live the standards worthy of discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ in this day and age is going to get you noticed. In this day and age of moral relevancy, in a time when There are scourges regarding abortion and regarding all sorts of immorality across the land. Or things that are contrary to the Lord's commandments. Generally accepted as norms. And I don't mean this to be a fire and brimstone. And I don't mean this to isolate anyone. We all have issues. We all have struggles. But to say that there's no right or wrong, which many people do now, is a false doctrine. Evil exists in this world. And to try to stand for the light, to try to be a valiant disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to get you noticed. And while in some circles that might, you might not have too much of an issue with that. There are certain realms of the body uh, of the public today where, where you shine that light, people don't want to see it. And we have to remember that the world hated the Savior. Why should we be any different? But should we be intimidated or afraid by that? This is Elder Clubbing Gott uh, going along. Should we live our religion at periscope depth? You know, kind of being a Christian on the sly. Surely not, he says. With faith in Christ, we need not fear the reproach of men or be afraid of their revilings. With the Savior at the helm and living prophets to lead and guide us, who can be against us? Let us be confident, not apologetic, valiant, not timid, faithful, not fearful, as we hold up the Lord's light in these last days. You know, I mentioned uh, in the previous podcast, my stepson, Philip, who passed away. And he had his own share of troubles. There's no question. 
he was honest, and so I will mention what he was willing to talk to people about, had had drug and alcohol abuse issues and had been to rehab. Does that have any connection to his death? I don't know. I have not heard from the autopsy yet. But it doesn't matter, because here's what does matter. He was never afraid or shied away from mentioning that he was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, he would frequently talk about, especially in those darker times, that he was not a good example of church membership. But he recognized the light. And he had the foundation of a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, people who have spoken to me about Philip uh, in, in the week or so since he passed away have mentioned the time that he bore his testimony of Christ in church recently. As a reminder, churches should be places of healing for people. Too often, and I, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of which I am a member, of course, we seem to be very cliquish. We seem to be, I don't want to say distrustful, of people, that, outsiders that we don't know. But let's just say that if you don't look like us or act like us, some people, myself included at times, I'm sad to say, may tend to judge. I've gotten very good at repenting after one of those snap judgments because I now recognize that churches are hospitals where people come to feel the Spirit of the Lord, where people come to see the light of Christ, where people come to have their spirits healed and comforted. And at no time should our church meetings ever be meetings where people feel like they don't belong. Make no mistake, I am not advocating a blind tolerance for sin, or frankly any tolerance for sin. What I'm saying is that people come to church to feel the Spirit of the Lord to be comforted 
and to find solace in their time of need. And we should actively encourage that feeling. I just went to look at the clock and I can't believe it's 20 minutes already. He says further, Consequently, while some would prefer a God who comes without commandments, let us boldly testify in the words of Elder D. Todd Christofferson, who's a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, that a God who makes no demands is the functional equivalent of a God who does not exist. We should strive to live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. We should remember that the Lord has appointed prophets and apostles on this earth to guide and direct us. We have uh, general or we have standard works, scriptures that provide us direction on true doctrine. The Savior said, Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let me ask you, if you're a Christian, could you be convicted of being a Christian in a court of law? Does your life, in spite of its failings, as you strive to live up to the demands of being a perfect individual, which we cannot achieve, but we also know we can't achieve that, are you willing to stand as a witness to Christ in all places at all times? Are we built on the rock of the Savior. President Russell M. Nelson, president of the, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, taught, and this is the end of his talk, true disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different from the people of the world. They are undaunted, devoted, and courageous. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to offer up to the Lord a broken heart and a contrite spirit? Are we willing to leave our sin on the altar? To try as best as we are able. To follow his commandments and to have faith. 
This is an excellent talk, my friends. One well worth reading and listening to. But in the meantime, you have me. And thank you again so much for listening. And thank you for your love. I want to tell you how much it means to me, those few people that do listen. It means more to me than you can possibly know. Because truthfully, if it didn't, I would not still be doing this. I'll be honest, had far more people reading my blog then listen, but that's all right, too. If people are willing to listen, I'm willing to speak. And I hope that you like what I have to say. This is my view from the rim. Thank you again, and good night.